everyone. This is, uh, we're finishing up Sefer Shemais. So we want to thank uh, the sponsor of Sefer Shemais. We don't have all the details here for technical reasons, but we want to thank the Zakheim family for sponsoring uh, the Shirman Sefer Shemais, Lila Nishmas, their father, their husband, Rupshon Eliezer Zakheim, for their whole family, and also Le'ilo Nishmas, Dr. Zakheim's mother. Uh, the Shirim on Chodesh Adar are dedicated by the Israeli family, Le'ilo Nishmas, their father and grandfather. Tonight's Shir is dedicated by our good friend of Eli Babaya, Le'ilo Nishmas, Avraham, Albert, Ben, Esther. Tonight is the yard site this week. Tonight is the three Tonight is the three-month yard site, so we wish the family his Nisham Shavan Aliyah, Began Eden, Tehim and Uchasai, Biyomel Siyosha for his whole family, Adbiyas Goyal Tzedek. Also, tonight's share is dedicated by Rabbi Yaakov Mizrahi. Okay, first I want to speak a little bit about Vayakel Pekudeh together, and then something amazing that we encounter about the upcoming Chodesh Nisan. First, let's talk about the word Lahoyrois. The Rivani Shalom says that there were many people who contributed to the making of the Mishkan. You had people who were Choyshev Machashavos. You had Chorosh, Choyshev, artisans, Kol Isha Sher Nodav Liban, Kol Isha Sher Libai. But we have a special talent that B'Tzalel had. The Pasuk says, Ula Hoyrois Nasan Belibai. To instruct, to teach, God put in his heart. What does that mean, to instruct, God put in his heart? What talent did B'Tzalel have that other people didn't have? He had the talent of Lahoyrois. What, what exactly is the talent of Lahoyrois? So, Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman, in his Sefer Ayelah Sashachar, points out from the Ibn Ezra that there are many very bright people who have deep understanding of material. You can have somebody who's brilliant and he can look at a sugya and he could cut to the chase of it and he can understand the Rashi and the Toysvis but ask him to say it over, he can't formulate, a, he can't coherently express it. He understands it crystal clear. He cannot convey it in a cogent manner. Why? From here we learn, but Lelamed is a special matana. Says Rabbi Aaron Leib Steinman, the Ibn Ezra points out that being able to convey information clearly is a special gift. In other words, if you can't say it over, it doesn't mean you don't understand it. It just, it may mean you don't have that ability. It's interesting, Rav Pam would say that whenever you're speaking, you always have to clarify three things. You have to know what to say. You have to say what not to say, which is even more important. And you have to know how you're going to say it. There are many people who have a lot of good things to say, but they're not listenable to. Because it's so mixed with so much garble and other extraneous material that it clouds what is being presented. So Rapam would say you always have to know what yes to say, what not to say, and how you plan to convey it. In other words, the idea is somebody could understand something and yet not be able to say it over. Which is, Rav Aaron Leib Steinman says, in contradistinction to what Rav Chaim Brisker famously said, that if you don't, if you can't explain something, it means you don't understand it. 
So when I was in ninth grade, I had uh, our Rebbe was Rav David Harris, Shalita, who later became the Rosh Hashiva and Chafetz Chaim. So he would always say, say it over. So he'd say, oh, I understand the Rebbe, but I can't say it. No, no. If you can't say it, you don't know it. He would say, say it over like you would explain it to your sister. Meaning that she doesn't know any background information, she doesn't know the process. If you can't explain something to your sister, then you don't understand it. The Gra also says that it's possible to know something but not be able to explain it because there's a certain lack of clarity of your understanding, which is different than what Rabbi Leib Shtayman is saying. Rabbi Leib is saying you could understand something perfectly and yet, not, and yet not be able to say it over. That's a special gift. But Rabbi Chaim would famously say, if you can't explain it, you don't understand it. Okay, I want to speak about certain phrases in Parshas Vayakel. And that phrase, those two phrases are, the Pasuk says, Milei oisam chachmas leiv la'asoiz komalechas charash v'choyshev. Okay, let's, we're going to play a little game now. What does the word charash mean? Dun, dun, nothing. <laughs> what does the word charash mean? Carpenter. Carpenter. Very good. Mr. Iskwitz gets the Hoover vacuum cleaner. <laughs> a carpenter. Okay. What's a choyshave? A weaver. Why is a weaver called a choyshave? A thinker? And why put a carpenter near a weaver? These are com- two different, two completely different professions. And uh, the Ksav HaKabbalah, Rabbi Yaakov Tzvi Mecklenburg, develops an idea that very interesting idea that in this world who makes the money? The one who does the labor? Usually not. It's the one who had the idea. It's the one who conceived the plan. The one who ac- the one who conceptualizes what needs to be done, not the one who actually does it. Usually the one who does it is not the one who's rewarded the most. Usually it's the one who thinks of how to do it. He's the one who cashes in the most. And it's the same thing in almost every area in life. The word charash, which means carpenter, what else does charash mean in Hebrew? Charash can mean, right, to plow. Harisha, plowing. So what's the comparison, what's the similarity between plowing and a carpenter? The answer is, let's say you, you call in a carpenter. Is it enough just to know how to cut something with a saw? Is that all he needs to know? Oh, bring in the carpenter. He knows how to chisel with a saw. Bring in the carpenter. He could cut. He could edge. No. The main talent of the carpenter is if he could envision what will happen if he does X, Y, and Z. It's the conception. It's the idea. It's the planning. It's the formalization of a plan, which is the main skill of carpentry. Of course, he he needs to know the manual labor, but the great skill is the ability to conceive and to plan, it's the same thing with plowing. What's plowing? Making a hole in the ground? Plowing is being able to think, you know, what's going to happen if I make a hole and put in a seed and water it and cultivate it? So the, the really the skill of... The skill of... Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, sure. The The... Oh, a lot of people. Of course, now. 
Could you hear me? No. Could you hear me now? Okay. The skill of <clears throat> the skill of carpentry or of plowing is not in the manual labor, it's not in the menial labor. It's the ability to conceive and to plan. And what we're going we're going to learn now is we know that there are two parshias in the Torah about the the Mishkan. There's Truma and there's Vayakal Pekudeh. What exactly is the difference between Truma and Vayakal and Pekudeh? So take let's start with number five. Take a look in the pasuk. It says the Asisa es Hakroshim la Mishkan esrim keresh twenty plank. Is that correct or is that a mistake? Oh, could you bring me the twenty plank? Does that make sense? Should say should say Kroshim. Bar Hashem in Vayakel, the Torah made sure to write it correctly, right? Vayas is going to Esrim Kroshim. So first thing is, what's going on in Truma? Why does it say Esrim Keresh? And second of all, why and why the inconsistency? Why in Truma Esrim Keresh and in Vayakel Esrim Kroshim? Okay, that's the big question. You hear the question? Mabetan. In Truma, it says Esrim Keresh, 20 plank. And in Vayakil, it says Esrim Kroshim, 20 planks. Which one is right? L'chaira, it should be Esrim Kroshim, 20 planks, plural. And in general, in Lashem Kodesh, we have the following dilemma. In Kabbalah Shabbos, Arboim Shana, Arboim Shana, 40, 40 year ago, 40 year ago, it should say, What is this expression, Arboim Shana? Why does the Torah write it like this? Or Zeli Esrim Shana. Yaakov says, These 20 year, Arboim Shana? You ready? This is a great rule in Hebrew grammar, in Lashon HaKodesh. When does it say, It's usually Shana Achas, Shtei Shanim, or is it, or sometimes it's Shtei Shana? And the answer is, it all depends. What does it depend on? It depends how you're viewing it. It depends whether you're in the, the stage of conception or execution. When you're conceiving how to build the Krushim, when you're conceiving how to build the wall, is it enough to think about, okay, I'm going to have 20 planks? No, you need to understand how these 20 planks will fuse together as one unit. Because if you don't know how they're going to fit together, it's very nice you have 20 planks, but when you come to put it together, they're not going to fit. So you need to plan, you need to conceive, you need to somehow figure out how these 20 planks will become one unit. So in the stage of planning, it's Esrim Keresh. Truma is not the making of the Mishkan. Truma is the command, the conception of the idea of the Mishkan. So therefore in Truma, it's Esrim Keresh. How many years were we in the Midbar? 40 individual years or a 40-year unit? We were in the Midbar, a 40-year unit. God says, you're going to be in the Midbar 40 years. So, Arba Im Shana, Shana. 40, it's a one unit. Whenever a multiplicity of items is a unit, then it says Lashon Yachid, even though it's many. Whenever it's separate, then it says plural. So in Vayakel, when they were making the Krashim, so let's imagine for a second, did they all of a sudden have this 20 plank unit that they just put the plop down? Of course not. 
They put one plank, then they put a second plank, then they put a third plank. So in Vayakil, when they constructed it, it's Esrim Karashim. In Truma, when they conceived it, when it was planned, it's Esrim Karash. Got it? That's why it's Arboim Shana. Zeli Esrim Shana. Shivim Nefesh. Because they were one. Very good. Okay, so let us proceed now. Now we have a basic understanding of the difference between Truma and Vayakel. Truma is the conception of the Mishkan. Vayakel is the actual construction of the Mishkan. Okay. The Asisa, God is, saying, God is commanding, you should make the Krashim. So in that stage... There was an idea, there was a plan, that in the idea stage, it's one unit. In the execution stage, it's many different part, parts. Okay, question. Are you allowed to take the poles out of the Arain? Anybody know? No. no. Is it like, uh, is it Asr Midrabanan? It's a Minhagnat to take out the poles. Isr Dairaisa. It's one of the 613 mitzvahs. It's a lot. You cannot take them out. If we warn a guy, don't take out the poles, and he takes out the poles, we take out a lag, lashes, and we give him 39 lashes. It's a lot in the Torah. Okay? Let's take a look in Vayakel. Check this out, number eight. B'tzalel makes the Arayin. Made out of Shittim wood. Two and a half Amos long. One and a half Amos wide. One and a half Amos tall. He covers it with with pure gold from the inside and the outside. He makes a gold crown around it. And he casts four gold rings on the four corners. Two on one side, two on the other. Vayaz bade, he makes badim. Vayove es habadim batabois altsalois haoroin loses es haoroin. He puts the badim in the rings to carry the oroin. Question. What? This is not true. It's not true. The badim of the oroin were to carry the oroin? Were they? Were the badim of the oroin to carry the oroin? Actually, they weren't. Why? Because the oroin carried anyone who carried it. So the purpose of the Badim was not to carry the Arayim. So why would the Torah write that the purpose of the Badim is to carry the Arayim? Actually in Pekudeh, it says make Badim and it doesn't say to, to carry the Arayim. just says make them. That's more correct. Look at number 9. In Pekudeh, Vayikach, Vayitein says the Arayim. Vayosem es habadim ala Arayim. Moshe put the Badim on the Arayim. Why doesn't it say Lase says the Arayim? Like it says by the Badim of the Shulchan and the Mizbeach. The answer is, because the Badim are not to carry the Arayim. So why when, Hash- why when B'tzalel made it, does it say B'tzalel made the Badim to carry the Arayim? That's not true. And the proof is, that when Moshe put the Badim in the Arayim, it doesn't say they're to carry the Arayim. Furthermore, I want to know, who was the wicked person who took out the Badim after B'tzalel put them in, so that Moshe had to put them back in again? Why is Moshe putting them in? But Saul put them in in Vayakel. How's Moshe putting them in in Pekudeh? Someone took them out? Who took them out? Raise your hand if you were the one. You look a little guilty. Who took out the Badim? The Badim are the rings. The Badim are, are the poles. The poles. The Badim that are the poles. That went into the rings. That went into the Tabais. So in Vayakel it says, make poles 
to carry the Arayim. A, they're not to carry the Arayim. B, in Pekudei, it doesn't say they're to carry the Arayim. In Pekudei, it says Moshe put in the poles. In Vayakot, it says Betzalel put in the poles. So who's the guy? Just if you admit now, nothing will happen to you. If you if you say now you did it, you get off easy. Um, just like a thirty-five dollar fine, no points on your lap. Who took him out? Who was over the lav? So, I heard from what? I heard from Rabbi Yonison Sachs, who's a rabbi in the Aguda in uh, Pesach, that. Actually, somebody showed me tonight that uh, Rabbi Gennat, uh, uh, my friend Daniel Weinstein showed me that Rabbi Gennat said this detail over from Rabbi Yosheva Salvechik, but I think Rabbi Sachs added an akuda. The chidush is that you're not allowed to take pulls out of an arayin. But what makes it an arayin? It needs to have luchais. It doesn't have luchais, it's not an arayin yet. It's luchos. It's what well, is arayin ha'edos. Vayakel, they didn't put the luchos in, so there was no issue to take out the poles. And so the question is: So what were the poles doing in the arayin if it wasn't an arayin? Before they put in the luchos that it wasn't an arayin, the poles were actually to carry the arayin. But once they put in the luchos and it became an arayin. They're not needed anymore to carry the Aroin, but now you know how to take them out. So Vayakel is when Betzalel made them. He made the Aroin, but he never put in the Luchais. Without the Luchais, it doesn't have the halachic status of an Aroin. So if it doesn't have the halachic status of an Aroin, you're allowed to take out the poles. Someone took out the poles. Not a big deal. You're allowed to take out the poles. What was the function of the poles? The function of the poles was the same reason he had poles for the Mizbeach. And the Shulchan, to carry it. But once they put in the Luchai, so now the Arayin is magically able to carry those who carry it. The poles are no longer for the purpose of carrying it, and now you can't take them out anymore. Okay. Now we come to another unbelievable thing. Look at number 12. The Pasuk says, V'asu Arayin atzei shitim. You should make an Arayin of shitim wood. Huh? V'asu? What is V'asu? Anyone here speak Lashon Kodesh? Any Jewish people here? V'asu. Lashon Yachid or Lashon Rabbim? Rabbim. So who's God talking to? Truma is addressed to Moshe. Every other detail in Truma is V'asisa, V'tzipisa, V'asisa, you, 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 you. And by the Arayin it says V'asu and you plural. All you should make. Who's all of you? Who's all of you over here? So the Ramban says the Arain was different than any Kli. By everything else it says the Asisa Vyatsakta, the Asisa Vitsipisa, the Lashon Yachid. But by the Arain it says the Asu, because the Arain everyone had to have a chilek in the Torah. Like the Medrash says, why by all the Kalim does it say the Asisa? And here it says the Asu. It's another question is, what did everyone do to have a part in the Arayin? What did everybody do? When everybody came out, you had three, imagine this, there's this little box, 
and all of a sudden he had three million Jews coming running with hammers. Well, imagine what that looked like. Everyone made the Arayin? You had a guy, he's, you know, what does he do for a living? He, he, he paves roads with cement. So he's coming, the guy's in his overalls, coming with a big hammer. To do what exactly? To bang on the Arayin? So what, three million Jews were involved in making the Arayin? So Ramban gives three answers. Huh. We, everyone donated. That we could write. We don't, we don't trust the guy to bang in a nail, but we'll take his money. Right? That's the first possibility. Everyone donated. Or everyone helped a little bit, you know? The towel is like, pass the hammer. So there was like this long conveyor belt, you know, one guy to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, you know, until three million people then handed it to the tzala. That's the second answer of the Ramban. The third answer of the Ramban is so powerful. You know what everybody did? Everyone was mechavin to participate. Everyone thought, I'm part of this. Did anyone do anything? No. Could everyone do every, anything? No. So what significance is it that they thought they want to be part of it? From here we learn the power of thought. We learn the power of machshava. That if you see someone doing something good and you're not part of it, at the very least you should think, I would like to be part of it. I wish I could be part of it. I'm... I'm joining in. What are you doing exactly? What do you mean you're joining in? You're standing there in the back. What are you joining in? My thoughts are with them. My th- I'm thinking about them. I, I, I'm, I'm with- My mindset is with them. That's very powerful. That's like you have a chilek in it. You didn't contribute. You didn't do anything. Your machshava alone is enough to give you a certain chilek. That's why the Arayim, which represents the Torah, everyone needed to have a chilek in it. Okay, that's what the Ramban says. Hashan, the Ramban, really? Everyone has to have a chilek in the Arayin? Then why by every other detail of the Arayin does it say, Vitsi Pisa, you should coat. It should say, Vitsi Poi, all of you should coat. Or, Vitsi Zerzahov, you should make a gold crown. It should say, Vitsi all of you should make. If, in fact, everyone has to have a chilek in the Arayin, then why is the Lashon Rabim only on the first Pasuk, Pasuk Yud, the Asu Arayin Atsay Shitim? Ready for this? Chedosh? And then we're going to go on to the next thing. The next thing, your grandmother, when she was lighting Hadlakas Neirois a hundred years ago, when she cried, she she was mispalel. Now That's why you can be zoichet to hear the second shir. The second shir is, you have to have zchusim to come down to this world to hear the second one. The, the kasha is, why? if everyone has to have a chilek, in the Arayin, then why does it say Lashon Rabbim only by the first detail? So I heard in the name of Asher Weiss, of Asher Zalag Weiss, Shlita, one of the great Paiske Doireinu, he says the Arayin has two dimensions to it. What are the two dimensions of Arayin? Do you remember in Parshas Ekev, Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to Har Sinai, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Moshe the Luchais. And Hashem says, go down with the Luchais. Moshe says, where should I put it? God says, look in number 14, I'm going to give you the luchais, make a wooden box. A wooden box? The aroin was wood? Why did Hashem tell me to make a wooden box? What about the gold on the inside and the gold on the outside? Says Rav Asher Weiss, from here we learn 
The Orion has two dimensions to it. It had a dimension that it housed the Luchos, and it had a dimension, it was one of the Kalim of the Beis HaMikdash. The dimension that it housed the Luchos, what was needed to house the Luchos? The wooden box, the wooden middle box. The wooden middle box was its dimension of an <coughs> entity that housed the Luchos Habris. The gold on the inside, on the outside, that was the dimension that it's a Kli like all the other Kalim of the Beis HaMikdash. All the Kalim of the Beis were gold. The Shulchan was gold, no wood on the inside. The menorah was gold. The aron was also gold. So the aron had two elements. It had the element, it was a box to house the luchais, and the proof that the wooden box was the element that housed the luchais, it's because when Hashem told Moshe, come upstairs, I'm going to give you the luchais, Hashem said, make a wooden box. You don't need gold right now. You only need gold for when the aron is in the actual mishkan. What is the box within a box? There were three boxes, right? The Torah says, coat the aron, make a wooden box, and coat it on the inside and the outside with gold. Which Rashi explains means there were three boxes. An inner one of gold, a middle one of wood, an outer one of gold. So the middle one of wood, that its function was to house the luchais. The inner and the outer one was so that it looks like one of the kalim of the mishkan. So therefore it comes out very beautiful. What's the reason why the arayin was different that everyone has to have a chilek in the arayin? Well, how is the arayin different than the menorah, different than the shulchan? Because the Aron represents the Torah. Which part of the Aron do you think represents the Torah? The wooden box or the golden box? The wooden box. So therefore it comes out very beautiful, says Rav Hashemais. V'asu Aron atzei shitim. You, plural, make the wooden box. Everyone. Everyone has to have a chilek in the wood. The other details, the gold, you coat it in gold. You make the golden crown. Because that's not the part, that's not the dimension of the Aroin that represents the Torah. That's the dimension of the Aroin that it's a Kli like any other Kli in the Mishkan. So it comes out very beautiful in the reading of the Psukim. So, you know, you read these Parshiyos and, you know, we gloss over all of these um, discrepancies. Krashim, Keresh, Ve'asu, Ve'tipisa, but every detail of the Torah is laden with tremendous, tremendous meaning. And really, you know, the Mishnah says in Saita, when Ram Gamliel died, Batla Kavarat Torah. The Mishnah also says when Rabbi Akiva died, Batla Kavarat Torah. So how could both of them? Ram Gamliel always would stand up when he would learn. And when he passed away, weakness came down to the world, and nobody, people were not able to stand anymore. Rabbi Kiva displayed a different kind of Kavadat Torah. Rabbi Kiva darshaned every crown of every letter in the Sefer Torah. There's two different types of Kavadat Torah. One is an outward display of honor. That was Rabbi Gamliel. But Rabbi Akiva's Kavadat Torah, the greatest Kavadat Torah is to show that every detail of the Torah has tremendous significance. So when a person devotes time to the, really the minutia of aspects of the Torah, that's the greatest Kavadat Torah because you're showing everything is so significant and everything is so important. Okay, that's share number one.